Hello and welcome to True Crime Tuesdays on the Days with Jade podcast. This is the first time that we are actually filming our podcast episodes, so it's going to be a little bit different today. If you are watching on YouTube, then hi, hello, my name's Jade. Before we get started, I would just like to give out my usual disclaimer, which is that there is no harm intended or offence to anybody that may listen or watch this episode. It's a collection of information that I found online, and I would say that viewer and listener discretion should be advised. Okay, with that being said, let's get into today's episode. This is the solved true crime case of Sally Ann Bowman. Sally was an 18 year old from Croydon in London. She had recently just moved out of her family home and into her own place, but was really, really close to her family. Sally had three sisters who her mum said she literally didn't go a day without seeing one of them. So that just goes to show you how close they were as a family. Like I said, Sally was only 18 and she was really, really talented. She had hopes and dreams of becoming a successful model or singer. Her mum said you could always hear her around the house laughing, giggling and singing and she was just such a delight to be around. Sally was so talented in her modelling that she actually managed to bag herself a modelling contract with the agency Pulse in January of 2005. This really did help Sally's modelling career and she actually ended up being the face of Swatch Watches at the time, which is just so amazing. Her mum said that she really wanted to live the fairy tale. So she always knew that she was going to work hard to be financially stable so that she could support herself and just live an amazing life. Her mum was actually quoted saying that she had always wanted to be known and not necessarily famous, but just known. And sadly, after all of this happened, Sally did get her wish. She was known, but just not in the way that she had hoped she would be. Sally was a part-time model and also a part-time hairdresser. And her sister actually said that, you know, modeling was a huge part of Sally and who she was, and she'd always wanted to do it, but it wasn't the only part of Sally. It was just one snippet of who she was and her personality. Now, this case starts on September the 24th, 2005, which was just a normal Saturday. Sally had spent the day relaxing, having a bit of a lazy day, just chilling around. And later on in the day, she got a phone call from her sister, Nicola, who actually asked if she wanted to go on a night out as it was one of Nicola's best friend's birthdays. And they were gonna go to one of the most popular bars in Croydon at the time called Lloyd's, which was also one of the girl's favorite bars to go to. Sally went out with her sister. They actually stayed at the bar till about 1am and her sister said they just had the most amazing time. They had so much fun, they were laughing, giggling, and this can all be confirmed by CCTV from the bar that evening. Now, just after about 1am in the morning, they were wrapping up their night and Sally and her sister Nicola shared a cab home. The plan was that Sally was going to spend the night at her sister's house. On the drive back to her sister's, Sally was on the phone to her ex-boyfriend, Lewis. Now, It's been reported that Lewis and Sally just had a really lovely relationship and her mum actually said they were like the posh and becks at the time. They had been together for quite a while and had only recently broken up, like a few weeks before. So on the way back to her sister Nicola's, Sally was on the phone to Lewis and they ended up having a conversation and basically Lewis was gonna come and pick up Sally and take her home. So that's exactly what happened. Lewis came and picked Sally up. Now, In the car together, Sally and Lewis ended up arguing, which is totally understandable. I mean, it was a recent breakup. Of course, there's lots of feelings and emotions still involved. So they argued for a good couple of hours. And by the time Lewis dropped her home, it was just gone four o'clock. Lewis dropped Sally right by where she lived. And once Sally was out of the car, he drove off. 
And that was the last time he ever spoke to Sally. Sadly, it was the last time anyone ever spoke to Sally. Shortly after Sally got out of Lewis's car, she was horrifically murdered. Sally's body was found the next day by neighbours who actually reported saying that they saw what they thought were mannequin legs coming out of the corner and when they went over to investigate they found that actually they were human legs and that of Sally Ann Bowman. Police found that horrendously Sally had been stabbed several times and there were actual exit wounds meaning the knife had gone in and come out the other side. Once the police had identified that the body did in fact belong to Sally Ann Bowman, they went and notified her family, which you can only imagine was just absolutely horrendous. Having spoken to her family, they realised that she had been out the night before and that the last place that anyone knew she was, was in the car with her ex-boyfriend, Lewis. So of course, the person of interest to the police was her ex-boyfriend. When they found Lewis, and they mentioned Sally's name, Lewis assumed that they were there because of the argument that they'd had the night before, and so he told them that the last time he'd spoken to her, they'd had a big argument and he'd dropped her home. Now, obviously, this was a huge red flag for police. Here was her ex-boyfriend, the last person that anyone that knew Sally had seen her with, and he was saying that they'd argued the night before. So Lewis was arrested on the suspicion of murder. At the same time, the police were gathering DNA evidence from Sally's body. They also took the DNA off of Lewis and both sets of DNA were sent off to the labs. The DNA took about four days to get back. So for the whole of those four days, Lewis stayed in police custody. Finally, after four days, the lab results were back and the detective that received them was actually quoted saying he was told that there was good news and bad news. The good news was that they had found DNA on Sally's body, but the bad news was that it didn't match that of Lewis. Now, this news meant that they didn't have their killer and the suspect that they thought they had was in fact innocent and Lewis was released from prison. The DNA that was found on Sally's body was ran through the police database and unfortunately, no matches came up. So whoever had killed Sally was not already in the police database. And that meant that they were looking for a man who hadn't previously been convicted of a crime like this and had to give DNA. This made the whole thing even more frustrating and scary for the police and the public because here was a young woman that had just been brutally murdered right near her house and they had the DNA for the suspect, but absolutely no matches, which meant that this suspect was still out there. Now, at this point, the case had already gone public and the police actually realised that on the same night, not far away from where Sally's body was discovered, another woman had called in to report an incident. And this incident was that the lady was on the phone and just getting out of her car or getting into her car and a man came up to her. He said, I'm sorry, and attempted to knock her down. And just at that moment, Luckily, there was a taxi driving up the road and it was the taxi's headlights that scared the man off. However, what he did do was take the woman's phone. What he didn't realise was that actually the person that the lady was on the phone to was still on the other end of the phone and they've reported being able to hear the man running, being out of breath, but also that the screams of the victim didn't seem to get any quieter, which is even more 
scary because that means that whoever it was that had done it had the phone, ran far enough away to not be seen, but hung about to see what was going on and what happened. So police started to believe that whoever this man was, he enjoyed the thrill of his crimes. Efits were distributed and the hope was that somebody in the public would recognise the man from the EFIT photos and call in and give the police a lead. Around this time, the Bowman family found out that Sally was also raped on the night of her murder. Sickeningly, the murderer had killed Sally and then raped her afterwards, which is just horrific. Now, there were no witnesses to the crime. However, a neighbour of Sally's reported that around the time that the police believed Sally had been murdered, she had actually heard what she thought was the screams of a woman outside. So she got up, looked outside, didn't see anything apart from a man walking towards where Sally's body was found. She didn't think that was strange because like I said, she didn't see anything else. So she just went back to bed. But interestingly, she didn't put on a light or anything. So police believed that the perpetrator had stabbed Sally, killed her, almost ran away from the scene and stopped to see if anybody was looking or if any of the neighbours had been alerted, didn't see any lights or anything, so went back and proceeded to rape Sally. You can just imagine the sheer panic and terror of everybody that there was a murderer and a rapist still out on the streets that had not been caught yet. But that was soon about to change. A man named Mark Dixie was arrested for a really small crime. He'd been at a pub, they'd been watching a football match and he'd got into some type of dispute with another guy in the pub. And I think they'd had like a physical altercation outside of the pub. So the police were called and Mark Dixie was arrested. Once Mark arrived at the police station, they obviously ran their usual searches and saw that he did have a criminal record for sexual indecency in the past and they took a DNA sample from him. What was really strange to the police officers at the time was that once Mark knew that he was going to have his DNA taken he started to become really tearful which they just found odd like you know obviously he was being arrested which I can imagine is never fun for anybody but the crime wasn't that big and he probably would be being released soon so it didn't really warrant the response that he was showing. However, once they ran his DNA in the system, all became clear. Mark Dixie's DNA was a match to the DNA found on Sally Ann Bowman. Now, the way DNA works is they took the sample and then ran it through the system, but by the time the results had come back, Mark Dixie had actually been released on bail. So, on one hand, it was amazing news because the police finally had their man, But on the other hand, not so amazing news because Mark Dixie had actually been released and he actually fled to Amsterdam. He was in Amsterdam for a few months and actually came back to the UK off of his own free will. He'd got into a dispute with his landlord in Amsterdam and so came back to the UK. Upon arriving back in the UK, Mark tried to resume a normal life. So he went back to the same job that he'd had before and stayed in the same area. Now, Police knew that Mark was back in the country and they also had his place of residence and his work details from when he was initially arrested. Obviously, they didn't know for definite that he'd got his job back, but once they found out that he did and he was in fact working in the same place, they sent out a group of police officers to go and arrest him. The police officers arrived at the pub that he worked at where he was a chef and obviously, being that he was a chef, they didn't want to arrest him 
in his actual place of work because in the kitchen there's lots of knives and just things that he could have used against the police officers so they were actually outside trying to figure out how they were going to arrest him and what the best mode to do that was and as they were out there discussing that Mark Dixie actually walked out of the double doors himself obviously the police knew what he looked like so as soon as they saw him come out of the workplace they arrested him on the spot one of the detectives actually said that what was really chilling was that as he was arresting Mark he put his arm around his chest almost so that he couldn't try to escape and in doing that he could feel his heartbeat and at the time of his arrest Mark's heart rate didn't even change it just stayed the same upon his arrest of course there was just complete elation and satisfaction I guess from the police that they had caught the right man and that he was finally going to be behind bars. For a period of time in his life Mark had actually lived in Australia and he had been deported from Australia for sexual indecency and there was also another match in Australia for a crime that he had committed on another young woman. With Mark arrested the detective set about building the case And they got in touch with his friends and co-workers to find out what type of man he was and what he was doing on the night of Sally Ann Bowman's murder. It turns out that the night that he killed Sally, it was actually his birthday and he was out for a few drinks with work friends. And they said he was just totally normal, like his usual self. Now, they'd had quite a few drinks and some other illegal substances, but friends said that he was on the same form that he always was. They also reported that birthdays were a really big deal to Mark. Like, he felt as though his birthday was a really big event that should be celebrated and commemorated and that he should be made to feel really special on his birthday. On this birthday, his then-girlfriend didn't actually come out with them and he was just with friends. And at some point during the evening, he received a phone call from his girlfriend and his friend said that he left to take the phone call and when he came back, he was just in a bit of a bad mood. Like, he was still fine and still having fun, but his mood had changed a little bit. As the night was winding down, Mark actually went home with two of his female friends and spent the night at their house. Now, police think that at some point during that night, after his two female friends had gone to bed, Mark actually got up and left the flat. And it was in this time period that he'd got up and left that he actually committed the two crimes. One against the woman where he had stolen her phone and been interrupted by the taxi driver and the other, of course, where he killed Sally. Upon this case going to trial, Mark Dixie's defence was that he actually had not been the person to kill Sally, but that yes, he had raped her after she had been murdered. Now, luckily, the judge and the jury did not believe that, and Mark was sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum of 34 years. The whole case is just chilling and horrific, but... One of the things that just really sticks out to me is that Mark was with two female friends, staying at their house, he'd managed to leave their house, go and commit just the most horrible, violent crimes, and then go back as if nothing had happened. Neither one of his friends said that they had even realised that he'd left the house or that anything had happened. And police do believe that the weapon that he used to kill Sally was probably taken from the flat that he was staying at. Of course, nothing makes up for the loss of Sally to her family, friends, anyone that knew her. And, you know, from what people say, she was just the loveliest girl who had the brightest future ahead of her. And her life was just horrifically taken and stolen from her 
But finally, there was some type of justice to her family. Sally died just over 15 years ago now, and to this day, her family still haven't had all of her belongings back that she had on her the night of her murder. There have been many times when they've gone out to the location where her body was found and searched around in the bushes and the shrubbery to try and find her things, and they've never been able to find them. And just recently, her mum actually wrote an open letter to Mark Dixie in prison, asking if he could just tell them where her stuff was but to this day they've never been uncovered and that's it for today's case thank you so much for listening or watching if you're watching this on youtube you can find me on instagram at days with jade flannery and if any of you have any cases that you'd like me to cover then please do get in touch and let me know until next time bye for now